We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up and welcome to the uncontested post-game podcast edition. I'm your host for tonight, Nick, as the Thunder fall to the New York Knicks by a final score of 129-119. We are proudly part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and DailyThunder.com. If you don't already, please subscribe wherever you get your podcast and leave us a five-star rating. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok as well. So, Thunder do fall to the Knicks tonight. Uh, it was an interesting game where the Thunder were favored by two or two and a half points, depending on where you get your uh, your sportsbook odds. And I was kind of surprised about that. Like, the Thunder are at home. The Knicks are on... I think the sixth game of a road trip they're they're finishing up Oklahoma city um, second out of a back-to-back they played yesterday afternoon in Phoenix. But when you look at just the, the experience and the talent on the rosters, um, especially with Poku out, which is weird to say, um, I thought the Knicks, like this was their game, like despite the fatigue and the road trip and all that kind of stuff. I thought this was a game that they were going to win. I was really surprised to see the, the two and a half point favorite for Oklahoma city. Uh, nonetheless, the Knicks beat Oklahoma city by 10 points. Um, in terms of big takeaways, I think it's obvious this team lacks height. Um, if you, if you're at the game or watching the game, you listen to the starting lineups, um, you know, you hear starting at center six, nine, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. 6'9 is not the size of your average center. Um, there are some anomalies to that. Like we have seen guys that are undersized, but you know, super strong and effective and ultimately are really, really good centers undersized, or even situational centers undersized. Um, Jeremiah Robinson Earl is not the ideal starting center for a team. And he's not going to be right. We got Chad is sitting on the bench um, rehabbing and he will be the starting center next year. Um, so this is obviously a stopgap, but it's not ideal. And I think tonight showed not only do they do they lack height, they also lack kind of strength and and like size, not height size, but more just like like 
physicality, if, if you will. Jacob always talks about physicality being a mindset, but there's also a component of, of your body, right? Like physicality is a mindset, but I can't go out there and guard Julius Randle, even if it is a mindset. Like you, you have to have the mindset and you have to have the size. And Oklahoma City, Poku's only seven footer. He didn't play tonight. So just more holistically, he's your only seven footer and he's 205 pounds, 210 pounds. Um, your other guys that are close to seven feet, um, you've got like Mike Muscala is not a skinny guy, but he's certainly not this big physical brute force. And Julius Randle just feasted tonight. Like his stat line may not have shown up as um, like some MVP of a player, but in the mid post all night long, when Julius Randle wanted the bucket, he got a bucket. He would back down whoever was guarding him, whether it was Kenrich Williams or Shagel just Alexander, he would back them down in the mid post. He would work, he would work, he would turn around and he would a left-handed jumper. It's something that like that, that's what he's known for, right? Julius Randle is thick. Like he's not Zion thick, but he's thick and he's strong and he does that. It, against a team like Oklahoma City, it seemed like he had all of his buckets in big moments where like maybe the Thunder were you know, chipping away at the lead and then Julius Randle would, would start, you know, getting his buckets and, and scoring points and pulling away or certain times of the game. When I, whenever Oklahoma city wasn't scoring, the Knicks were going on a run. It seemed like it was always Julius Randle. So again, um, he wasn't their high scorer on the night, but it was impressive to see what he did. I think this Knicks team is a little bit underrated. Um, they're, I think they're 500 on the season now at nine and nine. Um, but they're not a team I would want to see in the playoffs, if that makes sense. Like I don't, they're they're definitely not going to go win the East or or um, go win maybe a championship. But I think with the way Jalen Brunson has played, um, the upside Julius Randle has, especially from a mismatch standpoint, and then R.J. Barrett if he starts putting things together, like that's not a great big three, but it's it's a good enough big three that if they get hot at the right time, I think that they could definitely make some noise down the stretch in the playoffs and maybe even win a first round series. So first big takeaway again, Thunder lack, not just height, but also just physical size. And that showed so pretty evidently tonight. Um, and in a similar vein, the rebounding has fallen off. I think we gave a lot of credit to Oklahoma city last season for again, lacking a true center, but still being a pretty solid rebounding team. Um, early in this season, I forget five, six games in the season, probably they were first or second in the league and rebounding. And we're all talking about like, how, how are they doing this? We had an entire segment on a pod where it's like this thunder team is the smallest team in the league. Like not even close. Like they are without a doubt, the smallest team in the league as it relates to front court. Um, and they were leading the league in rebounding since then, like they've really fallen off a cliff tonight. They only pulled down 38 rebounds. It seems like almost every game. Um, they're just losing the rebounding battle and it's, it's pretty detrimental. Um, that's, that's been something that's held them back over the past few games. And I think we'll continue if they don't figure out a way to, um, turn that back around. So another big takeaway tonight, uh, New York was a plus 10 in the rebounding category. They pulled down to 48 to Oklahoma city's 38, um, additionally 14 offensive rebounds for New York, which, um, just can't let that happen. They're, they're, uh, Points in the paint with 72. So again, just like Oklahoma City not having the size on the interior. Um, and then they also shot 32.4%. It's actually not as good as I expected. Um, but the the interior, just guys cooking. Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, the mid-range game. Uh, it was there all day for them. So 
uh, between the rebounding, the interior physicality, and it's protecting the paint. Oklahoma City's not looked great recently. The defense as a whole has not looked great. Like they beat the Knicks in New York, um, but the Knicks scored 135. It just so happened that the Thunder were as hot as they probably ever will be and scored 145 in that game. Um, third quarter success has been a big theme this year that I thought was going to continue in this game. They came out um, out of half and looked really solid. Like we're chipping away at the lead a bit um, towards the end of the third quarter. And we'll get into kind of the flow of the game in a little bit towards the end of the third quarter. They let it, they let it go, but there's something about what Mark's doing at half, whether it's being a motivator or making adjustments or whatever it might be. Um, tonight it was starting Eugene in the second half. I think that was largely due to guys like Julius Randall, just feasting and, and lacking that strength and size. Um, Eugene goes in and, and the Thunder looked good. The first few minutes of the third quarter, they've been one of the best third quarter teams in the league at this point. Um, it's something to, to keep an eye on, right? It doesn't matter. They have a horrific first half. Like this Thunder team generally has a chance to come back in the third quarter because of the way they played. Um, as it relates to the actual game itself, um, first quarter is really competitive. And we, which again, we, we talked about this against the Celtics about a week ago when it's like, you're playing um, a team that's likely headed towards at least a plan, right? The Knicks will probably at least be in the plan. So you're playing a team that is a step ahead of you. If you're looking at the thunder who are likely not going to be in the plan. Um, and you, you go blow to blow with them in the first quarter. It's back and forth, back and forth. Um, after the end of the first quarter, it was 38 to 34. Both teams were shooting better than 60% from the field. Um, SGA and Dort combined for 16 points. The Knicks' big three also looked great. They at least had, or they each had at least seven points in that first quarter. Um, so just a really, really good back and forth affair there in the first quarter. Second quarter comes around. Uh, Thunder start really, really slow. Uh, they had just 10 points in the first eight minutes of the second quarter. Obviously not good. Knicks begin to pull away at that point. They have an 11-0 run. They're up 58-44 at one point in the second. This is where Julius Randle starts heating up. We start seeing there's nobody on this team that can guard Julius. Like, if he really wants to get a bucket, he's going to do it, and he did. Um, the Knicks go up 69-53 at one point. Um, towards the end of the, the first half, Dort had a big end one and then a nice dish off to Josh for a layup. So the Thunder do pull within 11 a half, which all things considered pretty solid uh, given how they were playing. So 69, 58 at half um, Oklahoma city shot six of 18 from the floor in the second quarter. So it's not good in quarter two, but like I mentioned earlier, they come out great after the halftime break. Um, Eugene, again, I think was a solid move bringing him in. Um, although he's on a two way, I, I really think that the thunder coaching staff view him as a situational player that can make an impact. Like, I don't think we take that back. Any minute, any young guy gets is developmental. I think Eugene getting minutes is actually because the thunder think he's going to impact winning. Um, he's not a, a, a starter that should play 35 minutes by any means, but in certain situations, we need a little bit of size. He gives you a, a really unique look in some of these lineups. And I've liked seeing him, um, playing along some of these guys, especially in the small ball lineups where he can, like, he's strong enough to play against fours and fives, you know, in, in certain situations. So it's, it's been nice to see him um, looked great. At the beginning of the third quarter, um, Oklahoma city actually pulls within six points um, about halfway through the third Jeremiah Robinson Earl hits a three. 
It's 85-79. And then similar to the second quarter, there's just this stretch where the Thunder can't score the ball. They miss seven in a row at one point, and they find themselves once again down 11 points after the third quarter. So consider the third quarter a wash, which in a game where they lost by 10, like that's positive, right? We've talked about the Thunder being a good third quarter team. Um, you'll take a wash, especially in a game like this, where you're down 11 coming in, you're down 11 leaving. Fourth quarter comes around, Jalen Brunson, just showing why he got the bag this summer, right? This guy got over $100 million to go to New York and play for the Knicks. Um, there was a lot of controversial opinions about whether he was worth that money, me included. Like, I didn't know if he was worth that kind of money. He looks great in Dallas. Like, he... He absolutely carried them through the playoffs when Luca wasn't healthy. Um, Luca missed a lot of time in the regular season, a lot of times in the playoff, and and Brunson stepped up. But I didn't know if he was like, is he really worth a hundred plus million dollars to be part of your big three? Not he looked like it, hundred um, percent. He had a great night. He especially in the fourth quarter made some tough shots, whether it was three pointers or mid range or, or tough finishes at the rim. Like he he can score from all three levels. Um, he's a really, he's, he's a, a low center of gravity guy that when you look at his height, you might say like, Oh, he's undersized, but it, it doesn't seem to be an issue on offense. Like he scores from all three levels anytime he wants to. And, um, so fourth quarter, it was 110 93 with six thirty left. Julius Randall hits a three in the corner to go up 17. At that point, it's essentially over the thunder do come back, uh, late. They pulled within 10 right around the two minute mark never got it close enough to actually strike. Um, and again, they lose 129-119, so a 10-point loss. Um, in terms of, of additional kind of overarching themes, this team misses Poku. I said this at the beginning. It's weird to say that, but given he's the only seven-footer and he's shooting 40-plus percent from three and he's a great defender, like he he generates a ton of blocks, a ton of steals, deflections, um, even things that don't show up on the stat sheet. Like there's many times if you go back and watch games where someone he's guarding drives to the rim and they don't take a shot because he's deterring it or they can't make an entry pass because he's using his length to um, defend the paint, whether he's the guy on the ball or the guy defending somebody down low. And that's the stuff that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. Like there's not a, a raw statistic that you can just go pull from ESPN. That's like Pokashevsky, you know, declined this many entry passes or deter this many shots, but he does that. Like he's, he is a key piece of Oklahoma city's defense being good, which similar to rebounding started really good. Like we saw this team be excellent defensively earlier in the year and horrific offensively. And things have flipped a bit of late. Um, the Thunder's defense has fallen off for a minute there. Their offense looked really, really good. But Poku definitely affects the defense. Baisley was was really, really good tonight. He came back from injury, had three blocks in his first like eight or nine minutes of play, which is impressive. Um, it just doesn't feel like it's the same impact as Poku on both ends. Like Baisley, when he drives the ball, it's it's tunnel vision-esque. Like he, he drives in with a lot of force and passion and it's, it's, it's a powerful drive. He just doesn't have the change of pace or the decision-making once he gets closer to the rim. You see that from Lou Dort too. Sometimes like you see Josh and Shea drive to the rim and they've got this change of speed. Like I, I, I get to the, the 10 foot 
uh, mark and I can, I can take a back dribble and I can survey the floor. I can keep going in. I can dish out. It seems like with Baisley, like once he takes that first dribble to get past the defender, like he's just going to the rim, whether he's throwing it off the glass, uh, with a bricked layup or just turning it over, traveling, getting it ripped from him. Once he's decided he's going to the rim, he's going to the rim. And those are plays that at times they work. Like I'm not saying Baisley's a horrific offensive player, um, but he can be a ball stopper at times and he can be a negative offensive player at times. And I think Poku playing within the flow of the offense, being more of a complimentary piece and, and scoring when the ball comes to him in the right situations, he's been a lot better than Baisley this year. And, and the team truly misses Poku on both ends. Um, another sort of theme once the game ended, I think the Knicks made some, some really good adjustments. Again, the Thunder scoring 145 eight days ago in New York was an anomaly. Like that's not going to happen again. New, New York had come out today and say like, we're not playing defense and this Thunder team would struggle to shoot or to score 145. Like it's, it's, it's a hard thing to do, but I thought the defense they played on Shea, although I'll, Caveat that with Shea missed some shots that he normally makes. There was shots at the rim, blown layups. There was mid-range shots that he normally makes. Um, so a lot of it was him. He was super inefficient tonight. But there was times where you could tell the Knicks said, let somebody else beat you, right? They double Shea. Um, they would shade a defender towards Shea to um, counter him driving a certain direction. They would do these little things that it was just like, all right, Shay, we're we're gonna we're gonna make life difficult on you. You can pass to your teammates, and we're fine with them beating us. But we don't think they can, and it's probably a higher percentage chance of us being successful on defense if the ball's just out of your hands, right? Um, he does finish with thirty points once again after a, a night off of doing that. It's weird to think about. Almost every game this season, he scored thirty. Um, he does eclipse that mark tonight, but uh, I do think the Knicks made some really, really, really good adjustments and. Oklahoma city's offense just didn't look as good. Although they scored 118, like that's, that's solid. Um, but overall, just, just not as good of an offensive diet from Oklahoma city. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, someone that did have a really, really good night, though, is Lou Dort. He started off as bad as you could have started. Like his offensive numbers through the first five or 10 games were really worrisome. Like he's not an efficient score, never has been. Even last year when he averaged like 17.2 points a game, I think it was. Um, not efficient. Like he takes a lot of shots. He takes a lot of threes. He takes a lot of bad threes. We talked about this a lot two weeks ago. Um, he's not only shooting a lot of threes, it's like contested or he'll catch it, he'll square up, and the defender's on him, and he just tries shooting over. Um, I don't know. He's he's turned a corner. Tonight was absolutely the best game of his season. Um, he finishes with 24 points and 8 rebounds on 3 of 4 from deep, 9 of 14 from the floor, a steal and a block, like getting it done on both ends. With Dort, it's really not about the points per game. Like I, I really, whether it's, 15 points, 18 points, 20 points a game. That's that's less of a concern for me, and it's more about the efficiency because if he's scoring 20 points a game, it's probably because he's taking 16 shots, right? If he's doing it efficiently, that's what this team needs because if the shots he's not taking, other guys like J-Dub are taking and likely making. Like J-Dub's been wildly impressive as a rookie this year. So for Dort... The efficiency, 9 of 14. If he could do that every night, like he's a piece of this core for a long time. If he gets more towards the early part of the season when he was shooting like he was 18 or 19% from three, that is just not good, obviously. So great to see Ludort turn around. Hopefully it continues. He's steadily kind of progressed towards the mean. Um, the 9 of 14 I just mentioned, I don't think that's sustainable. Like that would be bonkers if Lou Dort shot that kind of percentage every single night, especially with the three for four from three, like 75% three is not attainable. Um, even half that may not be attainable for Lou Dort. Um, but he is starting to have these games where you're, you, you get less and less concerned because there's sample sizes that are really good and really bad. And then at some point he's going to, he's going to be at that kind of middle ground between the two. Um, and, and that's exactly where he's kind of expected to be. Um, Trap things up. Uh, Twitter questions. I had one that I wanted to chat about. Uh, I got it through DM. Um, basically, the question was, does the last week of games change your opinion on the outlook of this team this year? So I think where this stemmed from is after the Boston game, um, we put out a tweet. I put out a tweet that said something about... Um, competitive game uh, but still lost and it's one loss towards Wimby which a lot of people um, are on the other side of the fence where they're like I want to win games and I want to push for the play in and and this tweet was more sort of anti-tank or more, more towards pro-tank and the Twitter question I got was are you is your outlook of this team different no because I think there's going to be a lot of highs this season. We've already had one like that road trip. Oklahoma city just got off of was a high. They went two and two on what might be their toughest road trip of the year. The only thing that'll counter it is in December when they have a five game road trip against five projected playoff teams. 
Um, this last four-game road trip was against also four projected playoff teams that included the, the second out of a back-to-back in, in Boston, who had the best record in the league at the time. Um, so there's going to be highs. There's going to be a lot of lows. We've, we've already seen a few lows from this team this season, uh, most notably early on. And I think when you look at the highs and lows, like if you kind of look at that middle point, this team looks like the third or fourth worst team in the West. It's like could theoretically make the play in, but likely would not make the play in. Like just five, we'll call it five games out of the play in. I think that's where this team finishes. And I don't think the last week or the last two weeks affects my outlook on that because. Without Chet, like this team's just not complete. But I think when you plug Chet in and another lottery pick in, talked about this on Friday's post game. Like this team is really close to like breaking through. But until they get those pieces, they're just not there. I just don't see this team being um, in the play in this year, even if they were to go win for the next five games. Like you've got to consider the long term expectations and ceiling of this team. They're just, they're young, the second youngest team in NBA history second to only last year's Thunder team. So um, wrapping things up, Oklahoma City is now 7-10 and 10 on the season. Still probably better than most people expected. Definitely what Vegas expected. Um, I think Vegas had Oklahoma City at 20, I don't know if it was 24, 26 wins. Um, Oklahoma City already has seven, so they're, they're definitely well on their way to exceeding that. Um, but their next uh, couple of games, their, their next two will actually be at home. They've got the Nuggets Wednesday, the Bulls Friday uh, at Paycom Center. And then they'll be in Houston on Saturday to take on the Rockets, which if you listen to our Sunday pod, I think we all agree Oklahoma City's head and shoulders better than the Rockets. There's obvious kind of bragging rights between the two rebuilding teams that butt heads. There's the Alperin Shingun uh, sort of narrative that Oklahoma City traded him away, um, quote unquote. Um, so I think that'll be a fun game, but I do think Oklahoma City wins that one big. Um, but yeah, two home games followed by a road game to wrap up the week. Oklahoma City has a chance, theoretically, if they were to win every game the rest of the week, they could be 500 uh, by Sunday night. But we will see. Uh, so we'll be back with you guys Wednesday following the Nuggets game. Until then, you're up.